Welcome back to Starting a Fire. We are so excited to bring you season two. <laughs> I can't believe it. No, I, I can't. I can't believe it either. Um, season one was a ton of fun. Is it? Was it? Well, <laughs> in the moment it was. I mean, looking back, I mean, there was definitely some moments, but overall, it was, I, I had a lot of fun. I was standing in the kitchen today thinking about season one, and I was thinking back on how we'll view season one 10 seasons from now. Oh, for sure. The and it, and we'll, we'll likely have a debate where we're like, so we should just get rid of that one. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Let's just nix that. I think we should keep it, even though I'm not impressed with any of it. Mm. And the reason I think we should keep it is because I think everybody deletes the things they don't like as a part of the early stage. Yeah. And I think we should leave it there for that very express purpose. Sure. That'll be the MySpace of social yes. media. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yeah. That'll be our first yeah. profile pic <laughs> with fish face. Yes. And the beauty of it is that, um, you know, we did what, 10 episodes? Yep. Roughly 30 minutes each. Yeah. So that means, you know, we talked for five hours straight yeah. i would say that's most assuredly the top limit of my expertise and i don't get any better so no good okay yep. so we've already shared everything we know <laughs> yeah thanks that... so much for listening guys have a great one yeah we're done yeah <laughs> yeah no uh, for some reason even though i think we've shared everything we know um we're gonna try to do another season yeah um i think what we should do is kind of frame what we're what we're doing here sure where we're headed um, and maybe what the roadmap might be. I, I think we could look back on season one of starting a fire. And I don't know if anybody knows. My name is CB. Yeah. I'm, I'm your co-host. Yeah, I'm Josh. Awesome. Yeah. Um, season one of uh, starting the fire for us, I think, was really sort of a fact-finding discovery season, yeah. right? Yeah. If we use the metaphor of a, of a fire, uh, season one for us was gathering all the necessary components, yep. right? A brain dump for me to share all the things that I think that I know as we walk into the season of planting a church. Yep. It was the wood, it was the tinder, it was the starter fluid, it was the match. Yeah. And, and now we've got it all together. Sure. And I think, truly, if we use a metaphor, we've built something that's burning. Yeah. It's not great yet, no. But it's moving, yeah. And and now we've got to go into season two of this thing and really sort of tend this fire, yeah. Um, our focus this season then is is to really be mindful of what we've built and and kind of you know make it grow, right? Uh, it's one thing to start a fire and then let it die, right? But a whole nother. If you've ever been to a campfire, you you. I think you're always surprised, no matter how skilled you are, like how much wood it actually takes. Well, and how hard it is yeah. to keep it keep this thing going. Yeah, there's always got to be somebody who's doing like something. Yeah, there's always. I mean, <laughs> heck, I mean, there's always the guy that's on fire watch, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, no matter if it's two o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning, there's a guy that needs to be poking the fire. Yeah, I, I was just. I thought you were going to say there's always a guy on fire. Oh no. Nope. Some of the camping I've done, there's always at least one guy who falls into the fire. That's a different part a different of the story. Different story altogether. Anyway, look, here's the deal. No fire, campfire, or fire in your fireplace thrives without someone who's diligently tending it. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, and that means you've got to add new wood. You've got to remove the debris. And truthfully, paying attention to the things that we're trying to create, like a fire, a business, an organization, or even a family, mm-hmm. can mean the difference between... Min- simply hoping for something nice yep. and really creating something great. Right. And so this season, season two, right, our, our whole focus will be going inside this fire that we've built, this church plant called Beacon that launches September 8th in Denver, Colorado, and tending to it and bringing you, the listener, along for the ride. Right. The reason we're going to do this is I, I think I think I've never seen this before, and I think it's important, and I think a lot of, as we were talking prior to the start of the show, a lot of leadership or self-help podcasts or whatever really focus on the innate nature and deeds of the leader themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I see a ton of like, let's pull the curtain back, see all the trinkets and the knobs that Oz has to pull, yeah. and really talk about like what it takes to do the the grimy work, yeah. the critique work, the working with other people work. Yeah, because it's dirty. Totally. Right? I mean, I think a lot of us, uh, we see the final, you know, out, you know, the, the final thing, right? The mm-hmm. final product. And we don't really get to A, see what kind of happened beyond the curtain, but also appreciate what happened beyond the curtain, right? To really understand the time, effort, money, work that really it took to get an idea, right? That Mm -hmm. that initial spark, if we want to go back to our fire analogy, that initial spark into a sustainable 
heat-filled fire. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last season we talked about like convictions and priorities and boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say you were listening and, and for some strange reason you were just enraptured by every piece of information we shared and yeah. took notes and maybe even employed every one of those. That doesn't mean that you're going to win. Right. Right? Like all of those things together still don't encapsulate what it means to lead something or right. to build something. There's so many other parts beyond just having a great vision, setting great boundaries, Boundaries, having conviction and working your tail off yep. that frankly like you can still fail flat on your face yeah absolutely or worse it can fizzle slowly away in front of you yeah and i think that one is probably most detrimental sure so here's our deal right season two we're gonna take you um all summer into the back rooms of what it's like to lead this church uh, all the way up to our launch date on September 8th. We're going to take inside the workings of our organization, including private conversations with my leaders, our team, my wife and I daydreaming and, and her sort of giving me gut checks on the regular basis of what I'm doing and why. We will give you the recording of our June 2nd preview service, sort of um, uh, like a, dr- a dress rehearsal yeah, even, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to record that, and we'll have that as its own episode. And then a following episode after that, we're going to sit around with our team and just destroy it mm-hmm. and really rub our nose in the failure of all of the pieces that we got wrong mm-hmm. and then talk through what it's like to make it better. Yeah. And then the second half of this summer, my prayer, I hope, is we've got a few guests lined up. We're going to sit down with some other entrepreneurs and other leaders who have spent a significant amount of time doing self-assessment and retooling of their adventure as well. Um, I wish that I could say, you know, every leader like cast vision and killed it, but I've never met one who's been like, yeah, and when I started, it was this and it's still this and it's working. Right. Every single person I know who's winning is like, well, it started like that. And then it all fell apart, and then we did this, and then Plan B, and then D, and then we're now we're on nine iterations of the company. Yeah. And I want to sit down with a few of those folks to kind of get a feel for what that's like to maintain vision on the main things, mm-hmm. but make adjustments along the way. Right. Yeah. So um, that's where we're headed. How many episodes do you think this is going to take? 50? <laughs> okay, maybe not 50. 50 five-minute yeah. episodes. Yeah, you're going to love it. And yeah. it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm probably saying between 8 and 10. Great. I think we'll be at okay. to really cover this out for you guys. Because honestly, the, maybe maybe the kind of, kind of goes back to a, really a thank you, you know, to... Those of you who listen on a regular basis and really support us and 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 and, and share, you know, our podcast, um, because this really, I mean, me and CB could talk about this all day and then we could just be done. Um, but we do spend some time in editing and recording and putting this thing together. And we want to say thank you for following along with Absolutely, us. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, so we really want this to be a, an opportunity for you to take this information, these little hints and tricks and tips, and and look at our failures and understand that that's going to happen to you as well. Absolutely. And then you can retool, and then you can got some, you have some some tools to then retool yourself so that you can you can move your visions, you know, your passion to the next level. That's good. And and so that just takes us into this episode. Yeah. I, I think today um, what we want to do is, is really to set the stage for the season, talk a little bit on the importance of being diligent in tending your fire, yeah. right? Being mindful that no one drifts into greatness, that fires don't go from spark to blaze um, without some work, without some fuel, without some focus. And... And how we need to be mindful of not letting the things that we love or that we care about fall apart. Um, Ultimately, I think today we can talk a little bit about the difference between failure and maybe commitment, um, maybe uh, fly-by-night excitement and steadfastness, Mm -hmm. and really hopefully get us to um, maybe even a biblical thinking about what it means to make something grow and thrive. Yeah. For me, we've talked about this a little bit. I'm an expert. When it comes to this grandiose idea and then letting it kind of fizzle and wane. Yeah, like you're the big thinker. Yep. And then maybe not the best doer. Yes. When I was a kid, I used to think, you know what I want to be as a consultant? I just want to tell other people how to do it better. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm totally on this vein. Okay. Um, I even even still kind of do some of that. Uh, you know, on the side, I'm kind of the king of the side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You know, and so uh, there's been numerous points in my life where I've had this amazing idea and I've decided I'm going to run full force at it. And then like it could be three days, three weeks, three months into it. It just kind of fizzles, right? I just, the passion, the, 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 the hopes, the dreams, all of a sudden they become just less important, yeah. right? Cause, cause essentially I didn't really want to give up what I had for what I wanted, and what did you have? What do you what, what do you mean there? It might have been um, comfort, right? Because um, today I came to the realization that that I, um, I I want life changes to be easy, mm-hmm. right? And you're not new there, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's definitely not new. Um, and quite often, I'm not really willing to sacrifice um, to get what I want. Okay. Right or what I need for that matter, yeah. Uh, because the the exercise may be difficult, okay. whether it be you know weight gain, you know I want, I want to lose lose weight or have an amazing relationship or you know my business needs to go to the next level or or whatever that might be. I've come to this realization really as of late, right? That's really kind of hit me. I've kind of known, but it really has started to make a really impact, a big impact in my life here recently. That in order. For me to live an extraordinary life, I can't react in ordinary ways. Okay, that's good. I think that's um, I think that's a powerful revelation that everyone needs to have, in the sense that um, we all want extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, like let's use weight gain, right? You wake up and you're like, today's the day. Right. Yeah. I've said it before, but this is the one. Right. And you, uh, you meal prep for the breakfast and lunch Yep. and it's clean and, uh, you eat your breakfast eight and at 10, you're starving to death. Yeah. And you're still in it. And so you eat your lunch at 10. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And by noon, it's, it's a disaster. Yeah. And um, without understanding that extraordinary results require extraordinary um, practice, Mm -hmm. you quickly are overcome by the acute pain of now. Yeah. Well, and and maybe even more true for me, it's, all right, I've got to lose weight and I've got to get the meal prep done Uh and I got to go work out Uh and I got to be cognizant of every decision I make. So I'm gonna start that on Monday, you know? <laughs> yeah, because I need time to plan to plan. Right? Yeah, exactly. So totally. I mean, that's even that's even way closer to home for me. Yeah, and there's other people. I just had a conversation with someone the other day, and uh, they're they're on the precipice of really making phenomenal life change. Mm-hmm. But when presented with the the reality of other areas that they need to change, they're overwhelmed with the concept that I, I have all of this to do. Right. Right. And so right now this friend is kind of frozen or kind of paused in the thinking of like, all of that is too much. Mm. Right. Right. And I think that that can be a challenge for a lot of us as well. Sure. I mean, it's, I mean, what do they say? How do you eat an elephant? Mm -hmm. One bite at a time. Right. Right. And so many people look at the elephant. That's right. right. And they're just thinking, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. And so they forget to take one bite. So Josh, talk to me about, um, for you, what it's been like to be big thinker, not the best doer, and go through seasons or different iterations of, all right, this is it. This is going to work. This is the best one yet. And then it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And what that felt like. And then the second time around. And then what does it feel like internally? How do you think about yourself when these things occur over again. It's demoralizing. Okay, how so? Right, so the first time it happens, uh, it's okay. You know, you know, obviously that just wasn't for me. You know, there's almost this um, existential, yep. you know, thought process about it. You know, like, okay, obviously uh, becoming, you know, a, a gardener full-time, you know, was not what I wanted, what I needed to do, yeah. right? That wasn't in the cards or whatever that might be, right? You could over-spiritualize and say it wasn't God's plan. wasn't God's will for right. me. Yes. So... Fast forward to number seven, number 10. <laughs> I don't know what's so funny. Uh, <laughs> to number 15 and 20, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, it's you almost don't even want to have the ideas anymore. Okay. You, you know, you, you become discouraged. It's demoralizing because it becomes this, this thing where it's like, you know what? Maybe I am just meant to sit behind the desk. Mm. Maybe I am just meant to whatever that might be. You know, this settling 
of sorts. Yeah. You know, well, maybe I'm just meant to be whatever that is. Yeah. Right. And it, and, and you're, you lose the ability to dream. You lose the ability to light passion. Let me ask you this. Do, does the, do you lose that ability? Do new ideas not come or do they just quickly killed? I kind of think it's a little bit of both, okay. honestly, because I think I'm um, part of it. You know, um, I, I think when it comes to like the dreaming portion of it, it's like I've almost deadened that sense. Hmm. Right. Uh, because I've been so grandiose and quote unquote failed yeah. those dreams. Yeah. Um, and so it's like I'm not even entrusted mm-hmm. with that dream anymore. Maybe you don't trust yourself with the dream anymore. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe even I could say that God doesn't even entrust me in me wow. that dream anymore. Wow, and that's devastating. It, it's, it's a killer. I mean, like, as a friend, as a co-host, as my pastor, I can tell you it is devastating that it is whenever all of a sudden those things become quiet mm-hmm. in my life. Right, but then on the other end, yeah, it, there's there's this this side of me that says I could go out and dream again, mm-hmm. um, but because I'm so beaten up, because I've beaten myself up, right, with how I've responded to these dreams, these visions, you know, in my past, it, it's I'm demoralized. And how have you responded? So let's talk about maybe the first couple, right? Big idea. Um, probably preceded by some wonderfully inspiring strategic thinking sessions. Yeah. Maybe even a couple business plans, mm-hmm. some, some official EINs for yeah. some businesses you've started. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, and then something shifts, right? Like something, um, something different changes the course. Sure. Can you remember any of those things or what that might've been? When, uh, something that changed the course in a positive way or negative negative way? like negative what, way? what took you away from like this is it to like well never mind um i probably say the biggest one is nobody to believe with me okay got it i probably say that's probably one of the bigger ones mm-hmm. is um is i felt like i was in it alone mm. right and that thing only gets worse the more you are perceived as the big talker right yeah right yeah, I mean, because then all of a sudden it's like, up oh, there it comes again. Here it comes again, yeah. right? You know, it's almost the boy who cried wolf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and um, and I'm and I slowly isolate myself. Yeah, you know, but I, I may also say, what keeps those dreams coming at times though are small victories. Yeah, right. So a a business idea that I had no idea would do very well, all of a sudden does. Okay, right, and that's kind of kept it going, you know, at times, you know, there's, uh, here, here recently, I've a year and a half ago had a business idea and all of a sudden it happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And slowly, right. But things are coming along. And so those are like the, the, they're like sparks. Those are the sparks, yeah. right. That, that keep the fire, um, by far it is not raging. Yeah. Make no mistake. It is not raging. Yeah. But those sparks are in fact, allowing me to continue to dream. Yeah, you know when you're at a campfire and one of those logs pops? Yeah. And like suddenly there's that little like infusion of large flame. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of burst of heat. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Um, okay, so the reason I wanted to ask that is because I want to get to an understanding of like, um, you know, how, how do we identify um, when we begin to drift off course, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and ultimately the reason that we wanted to talk about this today is because I think we all do this. Um, the more that I pastor, the more that I lead, the more I see the general tendency of the human condition is to towards entropy is towards getting worse. You know, it's spring and my yard is growing and it's not growing well. It doesn't just grow well. We as humans tend to, um, devolve, right? It doesn't mean that we're not um, always getting better. And I think the world, if you look around you, it's obviously getting better. But in and of ourselves as humans, without intentional practice, without really focus on on the end goal and what the value of it is, we can tend to just drift towards obscurity. Yeah. And, and so today, um, we wanted to talk about that. And I want to get us to, I know we haven't done this before, but this is the direction we're headed. So you're going to have to bear with it. We're going to talk about the Bible. Whoa. Uh, I know. And we're going to... Uh, 
We're going to teach from the Bible today. Well, maybe I might say this. We danced around it a lot in season one. Yeah. You know, that's what I was thinking about in the kitchen this morning, too, because I was talking about, like, I was thinking to myself, like, how just cruddy I thought it was and how in in however many episodes from now, we'll look back and be like, we really didn't know what we wanted to do. Right. Right. Well, and we had, we had, it's... It's the exact thing we're talking about, right? Yeah. We we had this idea, yeah. and we 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 wanted to be uh, a little biblically vague, mm-hmm. wanted to be a little bib or business vague, uh-huh. a little organization building vague, sort and, of religiously agnostic. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Re- using the church as a model, right? But not churching it up, right? But the truth is, Pastor CB and I are Christians, yeah. And we're sold out to that. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And if you don't know us, that might be the reason why you maybe not don't know that. Um, and we kind of got to the point where we said, you know what? Um, all right, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Right. And our our podcast, our production is going to be, um, there's going to, it's, our hope isn't to be churchy, right? But you you will know what values we hold and yeah. you will know what guides our life of course and i mean to be honest with you like if you listen through uh season 1 and you're not like a hardcore christian believer you got duped cuz everything that we taught right. was from the bible <laughs> right yeah sorry um so i kind of sorry <laughs> you're a christian but you didn't know it yeah. no um so so we're we're shifting our focus and here's the deal um we we're really fully persuaded that the word of god uh the bible has ri- literally the roadmap and the answers for this stuff and yeah. much of the human condition dare i say all of the human condition there's a remedy for it in the bible yeah and so we wanted to talk about this thing called you know drift towards obscurity yeah this church is not going to plan itself no uh the vision for this church came you know, a year and a half ago, two years, but really the impetus for that vision was many, many years before that. And so I remember the first time I started to dream about this and how excited I was. If you were to tell me, okay, it's going to be about four years before you ever put put pen to paper, Mm -hmm. and it'll be another five before you get an EIN. Uh, it'll be another five and a half before anybody's like, yeah, this is a thing that we like. Yeah. I I probably would have bailed. Sure. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that doesn't make me unique, right? No. Everyone of us is like this. And truth is, is that God knows that about us. Um, God is well aware that most of us, um, we like to start the fire and then we like to like just be done with it. Right. And, and, and that's how we pray. God, make that work more. Better, well, perfect, wonderful. Right, right. Make my marriage perfect. I don't want to do anything to help. I just need you to bless my kids, even though I didn't put in the work to raise them right. Yeah. Right? Hey, help bless my finances, even though, like, let's be honest, I'm a disaster with my money. Right. Right? Most of us, we just don't want to do our part. Yeah. And we ask God to sort of handle it, and that's just not the nature of it. Mm -hmm. So today, we're going to jump into this real quick about tending, and I'm going to talk about um, two Bible verses and really kind of break them out um, as a roadmap for what it means to tend the fire in your life. So whether you are starting a new business or redefining who you are as a human or as a leader, I want you to understand that the nature of who you are will be to be fired up and then fizzle out. Right. And so we need to kill that Hmm. so that the thing that you sparked a fire in your heart can rage as a fire in your life. And so it can matter. What if it's not supposed to? How so? So what what if um what if I've got this idea but it really isn't like um it's really not, it's not of for lack of better words it's not of value it's not of value you know like okay I have this idea to you know to start a traveling circus and <laughs> right I think what you do is you share that in mixed company <laughs> right <laughs> and if they laugh uncontrollably yeah. like I just did right <laughs> then you um, then you know then you know but one person did that right. Right? Right. And there is a difference between a fleeting, fanciful daydream uh-huh. and something that keeps you up at night. Fair enough. And for P.T. Barnum, sure, uh, he couldn't rest right. once he saw what was possible. Yeah. And he did everything possible, regardless of external uh, support. Uh, the applause of family or friends, or really even any um, tangible evidence that it was the right thing to do. Yeah. But he couldn't let it go. Right. And so for me, how do you know if it's worth it? Like, uh, if you can be told no and rest, then it's not worth it. Mm. 
But if you can be told no, and you immediately are stoked in your spirit as to why that's wrong, and that continues, and that's pervasive, and you can't rest, it's worth exploring at the very least. Sure. Love it. Okay. Um, so, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians <laughs> chapter 15, verse 58. There's a verse um, that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, 1558 in 1 Corinthians, and it says, Therefore, my beloved brother, brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, this church who's really caught the fire of the full counsel of God. Mm-hmm. He's been through, he's preached, and they've they've grown as a church. But Corinth is a city of, of great import and great culture and um, and it has all the trappings of a major Grecian hub at that time, which means, you know, their own version of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. And and what's happened in this first iteration of the church that he's writing this letter to is they've sort of started to drift off course. Um, the rest of this text has any number of his corrections regarding some things that have taken on a life of their own and other things that have just sort of died. And so Paul, in a very encapsulated sense in this verse sort of tries to reset their compass and tell them um, what's necessary to make sure that they fulfill the dream or stoke the fire that he's birthed in their life. And so uh, I wanted to break down sort of four concepts here that are in this verse that I think are applicable to every um, every believer for sure, but certainly every human um, who is looking to do something. And the first concept that he says here is, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. And the term that he uses here for steadfast is to be settled, to sit, or even to rest. And I think it's like the most counterintuitive thing to anybody who's a doer, or even anybody who's a dreamer, to tell them first and foremost, hey, sit down. That doesn't even resonate with a lot of people. No. Certainly not in hustle culture and certainly not amongst people who feel like they can move the needle on their own. The first thing he says is, therefore, my beloved brothers, be settled, rest, sit down in this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's actually a pretty solid instruction for us as let's just use the mindset of a leader, which is like, hey, take a breather right? Look around you, have a seat, maybe calculate your wins versus your losses, maybe reassess the vision itself, maybe just for a moment, shut up, like just chill out, like take Monday off, right? Right. I think one of our tendencies to um, whenever we're doing something like this is we drift and then we overthink uh, like you are convinced and convicted that you're going to do this thing. And then it's, um, there's a challenge or it's a little boring. And so you kind of, uh, you procrastinate a few details and then you stress out about the procrastination. Oh yeah. You ever done that? Oh yeah. We've talked about this. Yeah. How I am a, uh, I procrastinate. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's like, like it's going to get done. Yeah. But I procrastinate. I'm going to put things off. Yeah. And then I'm stressed the whole time <laughs> about this thing, Yeah, you know, and, and if I would have just done it, I would have removed this huge weight of stress off my shoulders. Right. And it didn't take any more time to do it now than what it'll take me to do it a, a week from now. But the fact that I waited, it, 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 you wasted. I wasted so much. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's what Paul's trying to say here is he says, be steadfast, sit down, rest, hold on for just a second and do one of those like self care moments. Sure. And like, what am I feeling? I'm yeah. feeling some stress. Why am I feeling stress? I keep thinking about this thing. What can I do to remedy that? Right. right. And I think Paul's first kickoff for us is to, to be settled. And then he, he, he jumps in a little bit further and he says, and be immovable. Mm-hmm. And this right here, I think, speaks right down to resolute. Like, are you really resolute on this thing? Yeah. Um, Big, hard questions are the things that we need to ask ourselves at every stage of the journey that we're going to do something. That's so uncomfortable. Totally, but totally worth it. Absolutely. Last night, I had a meeting with a young man, and I said, um, hey, men make hard decisions. And we were both angry when I said it, right? I was like, <laughs> right. dang it, that's so true. Yeah, I gotta think yeah that me through. too. Right? Little boys, <laughs> yeah. right? 
um, skirt decisions. Yeah. But men make hard decisions, knowing full well that those decisions can have impl- implications in the lives of other people, mm-hmm. can cause other people's sentiment towards us to change, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately have to be done. That's what makes things change, right. right? Resolute leaders require something of people. If you're a person who's resolute about what you are and what your mission is, and you require that people either get on the boat or get off the boat, yeah. right? It challenges folks. Yeah. And challenging folks is difficult yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. And so when Paul says, first sit down and look around be steadfast be settled and then be immovable what he's saying is hey do you care about this thing or not and that i think is the question we have to ask ourselves like you know when you're drifting yeah you know it yep but you don't address it right you you deny it and you like distract yourself from it yep and paul is so quick to tell tell us like hey sit down and look yourself in the mirror yeah is this the thing that you said you would do or is it not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that takes practice. Yeah. Right? It's so frustrating, right? Because we have the best of intentions, mm-hmm. right? We, we want whatever it is. We want to lose weight. We want to start this business idea. We want to launch this church. We mm-hmm. want to further our career. We want, for our, want our marriages to be better. We want for... We want, we want, we want, right? Yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden, we have to confront ourselves with that question of, do I really? Yeah. Right? Or, it, but that's going to be, that's going to help you. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Right? That's going to be difficult. I'm going to, conf- I'm going to confront some major obstacles along the way. And then all of a sudden, we self-talk out ourselves out of it. Totally. And, and then three years down the road, we're living in regret. Regret. Totally. Right. So uh, this is hard. Totally. But totally worth it. Yeah. And um, ultimately helps us to reset our compass. I think that this direction that Paul's giving to us is not a one-time thing. If I can speak clearly to myself uh, in this journey of planting a church, um, his exhortation to be steadfast, be immovable, and then the next one, I probably do them every week. In some iteration, like at some point every week, I've got to sit down and be like, all right, chill out. All right, what are we worried about? What are we focusing on? What do we need to do? Can we just settle down for just a second and then look myself in the face? Are you called to pastor? Hmm. Yeah. Do you have this vision? Yeah. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. Can you do it? Yeah. And that pep talk... It happens every week. Get you through a week. Yeah, every week. You're right. And um, and then it brings us to this third point, which is Paul says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I don't know that there's ever been a moment in my own life where I felt like I was always abounding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know of a church called always abounding, right? and I love the phrase, which is this concept of going from glory to glory, right? Mm-hmm. Or everything I touch turns to gold, right? <laughs> but yeah. I don't... I don't know me to be like that. Yeah, me neither. And I don't know anyone else who's like mm-hmm. that. Not personally. Mm-mm. And and so when I first read this, always abounding, you're like, well, then I'm out. Right. But it's the second piece that matters the most, which is always abounding in the work of the Lord. What Paul is really saying here is, is your focus correct? Is your conversation correct? Always abounding is predicated on if the work is of the Lord. Sure. And that maybe circles us all the way back to that first conversation, which is, does this thing matter or not? Yeah. Right? Does it drive you? Is it convicted you? And have you had this conversation with God? Have you laid this concept, this dream and this vision at the throne of God and said, I think this is you. Help me understand it. Right. For, for fear of for fear of maybe losing somebody here, are, are we talking about working in ministry? I mean, because we're talking work the work in the Lord, right? So, I mean, are we are we talking about ministry here? Or are we just talking about just the work that we do? No, I think it's the work that we do. I think it's the character that we are, and I think it's the life that we live. Yeah, all of those things can fall under the purview of two wills: either God's or yours. Sure. And so, when Paul says "always abounding in the work of the Lord," I think he's talking to a church, but talking to every aspect and member of that church, and saying, "God can have an active part in every part of your life." In yep. fact, God's will is. To lead every aspect of your life. Yeah. But the question is, is it the Lord's work that you're doing? Mm -hmm. And if it is, you have the opportunity to be always abounding. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so here we are, right? We're struggling, we're drifting, we're kind of flaking out a little bit on a few circumstances. And Paul says, hey, first and foremost, sit down, settle down and look around. And then be immovable. Ask yourself, is this something that you still care about? And then, second conversation, is this what God said? Yeah. Is this God's will? And um, ultimately, those questions set us up to make some hard decisions. Yeah. Right? Uh, Best case scenario, you're asking these decisions long before. Right. Hopefully. But let's be honest, that doesn't end there. No. These are conversations you need to be having with yourself because nothing is easy. Right. Right? Right. But he ends it by saying, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. The truth is, is that God wants your life to matter. He wants your work to have importance, right? Mm -hmm. He wants you to be significant in all that you do. That's why the Bible says, in whatever you do, do it as though unto the Lord. So if you're a janitor, be the best darn janitor in the world and get an award and be on the Today Show. And they were like, what makes you such a great mopper? And you're like, it's Jesus Christ, man. (laughs) And there's some other mopper who's like, that's that's it. That's the thing that God's trying to get us to. His goal for your life is to matter Mm -hmm. in this world so people can see his glory in you. And too many of us um, don't allow God's glory to shine through us because we we don't ask these hard questions. We don't take these moments. We don't seek this direction. We don't ask big things of ourselves. And much of that is because when things get hard, we bail. We bail. Totally. We bail. Yeah. Like, we almost always bail. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, if I could tell you, like... Maybe the single greatest indicator I can have on whether someone I know is going to succeed hey Chico. is primarily whether or not they can commit hmm. to anything. Yeah. It's not their skill set. No. It's not their charisma. It's not their network. And it's not even whether they're consistent in the thing they do. It's just if they can commit, like if their word and their deed can align. Right. Yeah. And in this season of life, I can't tell you how many people have like looked me dead in the face and said like, "I am going to do this, whatever it is." Right. Mm-hmm. Join your church, help your church, uh, start my business, get off drugs, do this, that, and like with all earnestness. Yeah. And then within several days, their life indicates that they're not doing that. Right. And I can tell you to a person, long-term success is predicated on the ability to be committed to something. I um. I, I don't think I talked about this in the first first season, and I'm kind of surprised that I didn't because this is a big part of my life. Um, I had a uh, I took a class at some point, and it was um, it was called the power of commitment, and the whole premise was that there is only one way to measure commitment, and that is by results. Okay, there is no other measurement, none, zero. If now you may say that your commitment wasn't um, uh, fair, right? So maybe so let's give an example. And this is the example I was I was taught taught in this class. Uh, you have a commitment to be at work tomorrow morning at seven a.m. Yeah, and you show up at seven o one. Were you committed to being there at seven? No, no. Now, what if a seven forty seven landed on I seventy between here and your office, and it made you that one minute late? Were you committed to being there at seven o'clock? Hmm. The answer is no. No. Right? Because there's only one way to measure commitment, and that is the results. Now, does it necessarily mean that you're a bad person? No. For not being at work at seven o'clock? No. Of course not. Does it mean you're a bad person for failing that commitment? No. Not at all, right? But we now have something we can measure against. And that is where the power of commitment really becomes powerful. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, is, um, it is a crazy concept to consider that something as simple as stick with itness. Yeah can be the litmus test for success or failure. Yeah. I mean, it's almost so simple that it's, it's foolhardy. Yeah. Um, ultimately you hit the nail on the head, which is commitment and results are tied together. Uh, the people who thrive are the people who don't quit. Right. Right. Yep. Um, and it doesn't matter how gifted or awesome you are. If you can't show up, 
you can't show off. Right. Like you just, you're not allowed to. Yeah. Right. And the guy with far less skills, the lady with um, no experience, but who is always there is going to kill it. Yep. And, um, and that hurts our feelings sometimes too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you're like, why do they do it? And the answer is so plain. It's like, cause they came to work, right? Rock. Yeah. Like, cause they said what they would do and then they did it. Yeah. And, um, ultimately I think that, that brings us to the, this question that I want to talk about, which is, um, how, 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 how do we endure? Right. How do we, um, when Paul says to sit down and to settle, he uses the word steadfast. How do we do that? Yeah. Right. And, um, that's why I want to take us to, to James chapter one, verse four, um, James is the stepbrother, the half-brother of Jesus, and he writes on this concept um, kind of differently, from a different lens. And he says in, in James 1, 4, he says, Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And here he is, he takes us like a deep dive right into Paul's first sen- sentence where he says, be steadfast. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I guess when I hear the term steadfast, and Josh, help me, when I hear steadfastness, I think of a, something I'm doing. Yes. Right? Right. When you think of that, what's what's sort of the body language or the imagery that you, you see? It's kind of this uprightness, you uh-huh. know, like hold fast, like right. hold on. Uh, it's like a brave heart, right? Sure. When they're waiting for the guy, the, the English army to come and he's yelling, hold. Hold, yeah. Because they've got those big, that's steadfastness, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and every step with the, the troops from the other army as they encroach across the field is creating greater fear yeah. and creating gar- greater worry. And we should just put these spears up now because if we don't get them up in time, we're, we're going to die. Yeah. yeah. Steadfastness seems to be this concept of what we do, our internal nature, our resolute mindset, and how we think through. But when, when James writes this, he says, let steadfastness have its full effect, which indicates that he's writing about it not as something inside us that we do, but something outside of us that does to us. Hmm. And, um, and that's a challenge. Yeah. Because I don't, um, no one talks about leadership by um, what happens to us. Sure. We always talk about what we do. Well, especially in a culture, an American culture, that is all about what I do. Yeah. Right? It's all about the work that I put in. It's yeah. all about I'm striking out and I'm doing this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we have James saying, well, let something happen to you. <laughs> Let something happen to you. And we're like, what? No, thank you. No. I, that's not no. how I live. Tomorrow, maybe? I don't know. Not today. <laughs> I don't want anything to happen to me. No. When I even, whenever I even hear the phrase, let something happen to you, I'm like, I can only think of let something bad happen to you. <laughs> right. I don't, that's just the way it thinks. No. And, and you're right. That's what he's saying, essentially. The word, the original word that, that James is using here, let steadfastness have its full effect, is actually the word endurance. And what he says is, let endurance have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. And so I want you to see this. If you're listening today, I want you to think through this concept as James is writing about endurance. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is writing about the concept of endurance from a very personal standpoint. This is a young man who um, who has an older brother who... <laughs> He's such an overachiever. <laughs> a, 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 a bit, uh, what's the word? Eclectic, yeah, right? right. Uh, eccentric. <laughs> yeah. uh, his older brother is um, same mom, but different dads. Right. So they're in a blended family. Yeah. Except um, his dad is Joe, mm-hmm. the carpenter, and his older brother's dad is God. Right. And so um, put yourself in James's shoes for a few minutes and resent Jesus for just a short season. Yeah. I mean, the kid grows up with this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Jesus says weird, deep things like, did you not know I would be about my father's business? And James is, you know, four years younger at the time. And he's like, our dad is a, wait, what? Right. right? Who yeah. is your dad? And so there's all this weird confusion. And James is not a huge fan of Jesus. Right. And when Jesus goes off to do his ministry, people are looking at James as the black sheep or wondering like what did you know and 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 is he who are you in on this right. there's why didn't you get chosen right there's yeah. both like accusations of 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 um less than and sort of conspiracy theories of you're in on this whole thing right and James doesn't want this life no. he's been thrust into this chaos yeah and there there is 
there is evidence to suggest that James wasn't even like convinced that Jesus was who he said he was until long after his death. Mm -hmm. And, and then James changes. Something happens in the life of James and he becomes fully persuaded on Jesus's deity and his mission and the nature of the church. And James writes this epistle, this letter, and it's unlike any of the other epistles. Whenever I do a men's Bible study, we do the book of James because it's marked by being punched in the face. Yeah. And James was known as uh, old camel knees. Mm-hmm. His knees, after having been living a life of prayer, were, were so bruised and split open that they looked like the feet of camels. The, his, his knees were just these broad, flat joints that, that indicated that he'd been on his knees in prayer for days on end. And I, I can only wonder that that's what has to happen for a guy who who has to walk out of this environment and then come to realization that Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. And so that's James. That's this James. And so when he writes and says, let endurance have its full effect, he's writing through the lens of what it means to go through decades of doubt and confusion and then sprinkle in every other emotion, anger, anxiety, fear, desperation, and then come out the other side as a leader in the church that his brother set out to build. And that's endurance over decades. Yeah. And that's endurance tied to identity. And that's endurance that's probably bigger than most all of us have ever even thought to endure. Yeah. And, and so James says, let it have its full effect. What he's saying is, um, you know how Paul tells you to wait or settle down or be resolute? I'm not talking about what you need to do, but I'm talking about what needs to be done in you yeah. in that season. You know what's so interesting about that is that James, the whole book is all about works. Mm-hmm. It's all about things that you need to do, mm-hmm. right? And it's all about faith without works is dead, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, he totally switches up his entire vernacular mm-hmm. and says, well, actually, something needs to happen in you. In you. In you. And that, the beauty, and, and scholars have long had to try to wrestle with James because it's we, we have a grace-based theology, right? It's not what you do that gets you to heaven. It's who saved you, right? right? And then James, the, the half-brother, the one that knows him best, mm-hmm. kind of flips it. Mm -hmm. And we're always confused. But I think when James says this, what happens in you, this endurance, let steadfastness have its full effect. He speaks to the underlying issue, which is once the heart is changed, the hands can change as well. Yes. Right. And so as he states this, he sort of says, let it take its time. Let it have its full effect. Mm -hmm. It might be longer than you think. Endure with this thing. You might have to tend this fire every 10 minutes. And that may feel exhausting. But guess what? It's not about what you do. It's about what's happening in you as you do it. Yep. Right? Everything is a learning environment. Everything is an experience. Everything God can use mm-hmm. for your good. Yep. According to his glory. Yeah. Right? And so here he is saying, do do this. Experience this. Can I even say, like, he's saying, like, feel this? Like, mm-hmm. does, this, does this season suck? Yeah. Like, feel it. Yeah. Rub your nose in it. Right. Hurt a little bit. Yeah. And here's why. He says, so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Mm -hmm. And that, that's bigger than so that your thing can succeed. Right. Right. He's not saying endure so that like the business wins, so that your marriage thrives, so that your kids go. He says endure for the express purpose that you can be perfect according to God's will, according to the way that he wants to build you. Perfect as in like you lived up to the model of life that he created for you. Yeah. Complete, meaning there's no piece of you that's out of order. Mm -hmm. Everything functioning, you waking up in the morning, thriving because this is who you are and what you were meant to be. Yeah. And then lacking in nothing, meaning there's no season where you're like, if only we had, oh, if just, oh. Oh man, so close. You know, you no longer have to live like that. Yeah. That's an ideal life. Sure. Christian or not. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. And he says that comes through endurance. Endurance. That Mm. comes through the pain and the suffering that you feel in moments where you likely give up. Yeah. Where you likely drift into failure. 
And so here's the thing. Let's wrap it up. You're going to do something. You have a big dream and you love it and it's amazing and you're inspired and you're like, this is it. I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. And then it gets hard. And so then you drift off to obscurity. James would tell you right then in that moment is the doorway to a life that's perfect, complete and lacking in nothing. Right there is where you get to choose to live like that or not. He says right there is when you jump into the endurance and let it have its full effect. Feel that little failure. Get up and do it again. Don't procrastinate. Be immovable and feel that thing. Commit. Go all in, right? And I I um I don't I don't know that most of us see those obstacles the same way. Yeah. Right? Um ultimately when you're tending a fire, you have to be willing to make adjustments and changes, right, to that fire to mm-hmm. make it work. And James is is saying, uh, yes, you have to make adjustments and changes. But every moment that you have to rethink yourself, every moment that is uh, uncomfortable critique, that's a moment where the work is changing, but you're refining. Yeah. And the fire that you want to stoke, it's not for anybody else but to purify you so that you become the gold you were always meant to be. So this is it, the beginning of our second season. It was just a few months ago we were going through notes on getting the first season up and running, and here we are getting our second season underway. Once again, thank you so much to each of you for following along and giving us your feedback. Many of you have asked how to connect with us on social. You can find Pastor CB on Instagram at CBBarflow and myself on Instagram at Josh Bain Denver. Also, our next episode will be available in about two weeks. It'll be a mashup of some talks with Pastor CB's mentor, the preview service we had for Beacon, and a debrief where we all got together, self-assessed, and did our best to be critical of the work we've already done in order to be better for it in the future. We hope you'll follow along with us this season. If you do... We promise to be open, honest, and vulnerable about our successes and our failures as we tend this fire. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Starting a Fire.